But as we did last week, and as I hope to do this week, um, I'd love to just take as many listener questions as we can. Um, I will go through the chat now that I know how to refresh the chat. Um, but we, this is an audio platform. We encourage, uh, we encourage audio questions, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by my good buddy Jeremy Wu, uh, the NBA Draft Insider for Sports Illustrated. This guy flies around the country all year going to you know, well over 100 college games to watch these guys, um, super up close and personal, and then takes that insight and analysis into his intel conversations uh, as a barometer to suss out what's smoke and what's true. Um, honored to have you today, man. How you doing? How do you feel ahead of Thursday night? Are you brain fogged as well? Uh, not yet. Um, I would say... Compared to past years, uh, this week has been a little slower just in terms of my workflow. Um, I think partially just because it's been pretty quiet around the NBA for like 48 hours. Um, but also, I'm not going to the draft this year. Uh, I'm not in New York. I'm at home in Chicago. So it, I think not traveling has made this a lot less stressful. Um, so I've just you know, been doing what you've been doing, just been on my phone and trying to you know, have some normalcy before inevitably like tomorrow and Thursday just disappear. Yeah, it's been I, – I, I, I described to a scout friend of ours yesterday, to use a very bad metaphor, it feels like all the toothpaste is out of the tube, right? Like we know Utah is listening on Rudy Gobert. We know that John Collins is probably the most likely veteran guy to be traded. We know that DeAndre Ayton is looming over all this stuff. We know that Jeremy Grant is a potential trade candidate. We know that the Kings are fielding all these offers for four. We know Portland's got – various things they can do at seven the top three we're expecting to go in some order but you know we're, we're just kind of waiting for the domino to actually fall the first one at least yeah no absolutely like i think every year you know we're always like oh there's going to be so many trades and then when it boils down to it i don't think as many trades as we think are going to happen happen um but so i think generally this, or for just just generally generally thursday in, night no, I'm saying in most years, we are always like this, and then the trades don't happen. Um, but I do think that this year, it's a little bit different just because I think the the trade spots are at such interesting points in the draft uh, yeah. in terms of kind of like who is available in terms of like four and seven, uh, I think particularly, uh, is what everybody's curious about. Um, the other thing with this draft, and I, you know, I wrote this in the, in the mock draft briefly, I think there's a little bit more uncertainty. Um, just about the very top, uh, not not saying that I'm expecting a crazy surprise, uh, but this is more a testament to just uh, the Magic and the Thunder in particular are just really good at uh, keeping secrets. And, you know, anything you hear about them is, you know, second or third hand, and you have to kind of weigh it with everything else, right? I think you probably feel the same way. Like, with those two teams in particular, the information you have to be kind of careful with uh, and kind of think critically about it because they're not going to tell you anything. Um, so... I think those two teams being at the top and then also Houston kind of tipping their hand has made this kind of uh, a different, different year in terms of like what to expect. For sure. Okay. We are going to go right to questions. Um, I'm sure we're going to touch on a lot of the hot topics that come and, you know, we're going to go through as many as we can. And if we ever do hit a lull, you know, we'll try to address the, the buzziest things that haven't come across our radar. So to get things going, uh, we're going back to my producer, Zach Nadu. Zach, feel free to unmute yourself. Is this about the Mavericks? 
Hey, Jake. Uh, thanks for taking the call. You know, you know, I'm very consistent. It is about the Mavs. Uh, Mavs Film Room actually retweeted your episode. So th- I think we got a lot of Mavs fans coming in here. So I'm going to ask a quick Mavs cool. question. Uh, I hope also, sorry about COVID. Hope hope you're feeling better. Uh, glad you're still doing this room. That's, uh, I think, about to hit 300. Uh, quick, so, so kind of a, a two-pronged question. One, uh, I've already asked you about Jalen Brunson. I just wanted to kind of confirm what you said before. Even though the Knicks are probably going to try and clear cap space, he's kind of Dallas's to lose is what I've heard. And then the second is you reported about uh, maybe an expansion of the Mavs-Rockets uh, trade involving Christian Wood. And if any of that would involve the Mavericks, and if it doesn't, like what free agents the Mavs could actually acquire with that mid-level exception they have? Yeah, so the the first about Jalen... It, it definitely seems like it's it's a two horse race, and I'm saying this as I can already see the the posts being made. Um, but like everyone that I've spoken to around the situation, just around the league, has been pretty confident that Jalen Bronson is going back to Dallas, and that the only threat looming is New York. And obviously, they just you know signed his dad to be an assistant coach under Tom Thibodeau. Um, but yeah, e- even with the salary number that, you know, I, I reported today, a police report, um, I've heard from several people now that 25 million is the average annual salary. I, I've been work. I said, I think I said this on calling shows in the past, but, um, I've been working under the assumption that that's going to be like, like John Collins types type value, um, is going to be what he ends up getting offered. Um, but it does still sound like Dallas is going to, you know, they're, they're by far the leader in the clubhouse to retain him. He's, I, I even heard that he has told, uh, you know, former teammates and, and, and other, te- and current teammates that like, it's kind of basically a done deal. I'm not saying I know it's a done deal. Um, but you know, there, there's definitely a lot of, um, confidence that he'll be back to the trade. Maybe Jeremy's heard similar things. I've heard it's mostly going to be just Houston, like, taking the ball from here, um, and they can kind of figure out. Just like how New Orleans and Memphis agreed to that deal last year. I think it was the 10th pick for the 17th pick. And then it ultimately, if I remember correctly, ended up fully expanding into, like, a five-team trade. Um, I'm not saying it's going to get that big, but I think Houston's going to be the team driving – you know, any expansion of that. Could the Mavericks get involved in further capacity? Yeah, because it's a deal that's agreed in principle and it's not finalized yet. Um, but I think most of the alterations are going to come from the Rockets side. Woo, you got anything more on those um, two topics? Nothing super specific. I would just say uh, on the matter of Houston, like, when, you know, when they picked up that pick, I don't think they were, like, targeting one specific player. I just think they're uh, an organization that values, uh, you know, just having options. Um, you know, last year sort of did, you know, similar things moving around. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, if you have the opportunity to, uh, you know, particularly in a trade like this with a lot of different smaller contracts, you have a chance to, you know, see if it can enable you to do anything. I think you just wait. So, like, I wouldn't necessarily take it to mean anything crazy is coming. I just think that, uh, you know, they'd be kind of remiss to not do that. Um, so, you'll, I mean, most things are going to process later, uh, I think, in in the case of most transactions uh, this week. Um, Before we get to Nick, uh, thank you, Zach, for the question. I'm going to try to keep everyone in one question and keep this moving. we got eight callers in the queue so far. I'm sure we'll have more. Um, 
And uh, I also wanted to quickly, before we get to Nick, I just saw the report from The Athletic that uh, John Wall is going to opt in for his deal and that you know, they should find a, a solution to his tenure in Houston soon. I wrote a couple, I think about a month or so ago already now, that um, you know, if John Wall is not traded by free agency, which seems pretty unlikely, right, um, that, that the Rockets are probably going to be able to find a, a buyout agreement. Um, I, I believe that still to be what John Wall would like. Um, so you know, we'll see if that does come to fruition, if, if that introduces another uh, point guard on the point guard carousel this summer. Uh, Nick, how are you? Hey, can you guys hear me? It's a little windy, but we can hear you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It's a windy day in the uh, city of Boston, but real quick, uh, I know the season just ended for us, but have you heard anything about the Celtics? Like, Brad today talked about getting a bench score. You know, there's, like, Horford extension, Grant Williams extension. Just anything like that. Uh, Thanks, Ben. You got it, Nick. Um, You know, for Boston, they're definitely a team that – has been mentioned as you know, making calls. I don't know how serious the calls are, but to try to find a, a pick in the first. Um, um, I think ultimately um, for the Celtics, like what they can overall do, I mean, I, th- I think they are going to look to make changes here um, in terms of like, they're not just satisfied with this unit and how I mean, they, they lost the finals. They, they, they saw some things that they can improve on. I think they have credence from ownership to, to make some changes. If Boston is able to, to trade into the back end of the first Jeremy or somewhere in, like, have you heard any Intel connected to them guys that might be looking at positions that they kind of are uh, considering? Yeah. Um, I've heard they've called about trying to move up, um, into the first, and I also think it's possible that they can move up just like, you know, from 53 into the 40s, like something small like that. Um, I I haven't heard anything. It hasn't been, like, super, super loud. Uh, And uh, I don't know exactly, like, what they are dangling here. Um, But I I do think it's possible that, um, you know, they they try to come in and, you know, considering the – I think this is the case with a lot of teams, you know, considering that it's a team that's expensive and going to keep getting more expensive – uh, you know, you're always looking at, you know, how many guys can we add? Like, is it worth rostering this pick? And then, you know, how does the salary kind of fit in? So, like, you know, for the teams that want out of those picks, um, there are going to be teams that are, you know, interested in picking up first-rounders. And so, you know, Boston, I think, naturally is going to be someone, a team that explores that. Uh, although I, I don't know yet how to handicap how likely it is that they actually get into the first. All right. Jared. Jared, are you with Hey, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we got you. All right, perfect. So in your tweet, you mentioned that the Wizards are looking for a veteran point guard uh, with, you know, shopping around that 10th pick. Is there any possibility of like a Michael, Mike Conley and like a Royce O'Neal, Rudy Gay for a 10 pick and a KCP, Rui Hachimura type deal? It's a good question. Um, Jeremy and I definitely have spoken uh, off air. Um, about Washington's quest for a point guard here. I mean, they've definitely talked to Sack about getting to four in, you know, the thought of potentially adding Jaden Ivey. I think Jeremy and I both don't really think that's really so, so doable for Washington, right? Like, it seems like they got, they got a bit of an uphill battle to get to four. Yeah, like, I think if you look at, you know, with the draft every year, we hear about people trying to trade up, and then you think about, like, what trades can actually work, and, like, 
I think Washington, I know they've called around about certain things. Like, um, I don't know how realistic it, it is that they could actually get Conley. Um, but I think that's someone who like could make sense. Um, but if you deal. just look at, yeah, but if you just look at what they have, I mean, I don't think Porzingis on that current contract like, is going to have any more takers than he did, you know, when they got him. Uh, I don't think the, the Kuzma market is super hot. I mean, like, they could offer Kuzma, you know, to people and, you know, that's something that might be appealing. But if you look at, you know, how they've drafted, um, you know, past few years, I mean, you've got Hachimura, you've got Avdia, you've got, you know, Kispert, three guys who, you know, were first round uh, lottery picks in, over the course of three years, but none of them has really like, like sprouted legs, uh, you know, in the NBA to the point where you're like sure of what you're getting with them. Right. So like any package of those guys and Kuzma, like, I don't know if that gets you to four. Uh, so like my gut feeling is it's more likely that the wizards would look to move back or out. Like, I just think it's more feasible for them to improve their rotation using this pick than it would be to actually move up. Although it's a kind of a nice idea, like unless they're willing to put future first on the table. Uh, I don't know how they actually move up. Yeah, and like just because they're they're chasing a veteran point guard at ten, like that doesn't mean that's also what they're going to do. Like I think there's also very much a realistic scenario where they they take take a guy at ten, and you know, Giant Davis has been mentioned there a lot, right? Um, I think you've mocked him there several times. Um, so I mean, they're they're clearly focused on looking at bringing in ball handling help to Washington. I know Tommy Shepard said something yesterday about them being comfortable playing Bradley Beal point guard. But, I mean, look around the league. Like, with, with the Jalen Brunson stuff we talked about to start this conversation, I mean, with Jaden Ivey potentially going five to Detroit, like, a lot of teams, it seems like, are very comfortable building teams with multiple backcourt uh, options and multiple, you know, lead ball handlers. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Because the other thing is, like, just the – the market right now just doesn't seem – when you look around and think about who could they get, like, you know, Conley is one name, but, like, I don't know how, mar- how hot the market is actually in terms of, like, players who would fit the bill with what they want to accomplish. Yeah, so. definitely. All right, Joe, how are you? Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks for uh, hearing me out. Jake, I hope you're feeling okay. Red, you got thank COVID. You. That sucks. It's all good, man. Um, Appreciate it. I'm a huge Pelicans fan, and I really love the draft. Uh, and they've been, like, all over the place this past week and a half with Gavoni reporting that we're, like, talking to the Suns with maybe, like, Cam Johnson and then OKC at 12, maybe Washington at 10. Um, and it's been kind of tough to cut through the noise. And so I, I look to Vegas for some <laughs> stuff and, like, odds to go number eighth overall. It's, like, Keegan Murray is the favorite. And then Jaden Ivey is actually – the next most likely, and then, like, Matherin, Sharp, and Dyson are all around the same. And I was just wondering if you had any, uh, I don't know, advice to share about a Pels fan, trying to figure <laughs> out what's what. Um, I mean, Thanks, y'all. I, yeah, you got it. Um, I, I've definitely heard that, as I wrote today at BR, that Matherin and um, Dyson seem to be the, the – the, the top two targets for New Orleans are at eight. That's what teams picking behind New Orleans are, 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 are under the impression of. And if those two guys aren't there, then that there could be a trade-down opportunity. Does that uh, align with what you've got, Jeremy? Yeah. Um, like, my understanding of this is that, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you can kind of look at it and kind of see what type of guys that you know, they like. Um, and, you know, the two guys you mentioned, Matherin and Daniels, I think kind of fit. 
Uh, I don't think they're in a position where they have to take someone that is going to have to contribute anytime soon. If you just consider, uh, you know, the roster that they have and the success that they just had, you know, they have guys who they need to get minutes for and develop and, you know, continue to build. Um, so like, you know, I, I would keep an eye on, um, you know, also you've got you know, Shaden Sharp potentially there, someone who I think they'll, they'll look at as like a, you know, long view pick. Um, you know, they've had all these guys in. Uh, Usman Jang is a name that's been rising sort of in the talks that I've had with different people. You know, he could be in that mix for eight and nine. Uh, Jeremy Sohan in the mix, uh, you know, eight and nine with those those teams. So, like, I think they're in a position where they'll probably wait and they'll see, you know, who falls there. Um, and if it's not someone they really love, I think they, you know, could look to move back. I mean, you also have to consider that Portland being in front of them is a potential trade spot, right? So, you know, if OKC trades in front, it kind of affects who's there at number seven. But if no one, if Portland stays at seven, uh, you know, depending on who the seventh pick is, then the whatever market there was for the seventh pick for people trying to trade up then shifts to New Orleans, right? So, like, I think they'd be remiss to not, you know, wait until they're on the clock and at least kind of see if anyone calls. Um, just because, again, with with the position they're in is so flexible uh, in building that if they think they can trade back a little bit and someone they want is there, it's, you know, worth thinking about. So, uh, they're a team that's, I think, definitely tough to peg just because they have a lot of options available. When I try to make, like, a bit of a, a mental mock for when I have conversations with people, um, I I tend to put certain – because I don't, I don't do a mock draft like Jeremy does. Fortunately, I don't have to, like, stake my claim publicly to what I'm thinking. But, like, I do kind of do sometimes, like, a mental – all right, four or five could be Keegan or Ivy, depending on how it falls, depending on trades. With seven – to Jeremy's point, like I'm pretty confident that pick is has a very strong chance of just being Dyson Daniels, regardless of who's there. He's someone that um, it sounds like Portland really likes, um, in addition to some other people that they've been doing a lot of intel on. Um, and Atlanta is, is a trade candidate there with the John Collins talks. Apparently, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to get done. It seems like both. Atlanta and John Collins and Portland have various other things on the table. Um, but in that scenario, I've been told that – and a lot of teams are under the impression that the Hawks would be looking to get Dyson Daniels there. Um, so if Matherin and Daniels do go six and seven, then, yeah, I, I do think there's a really strong chance that the Pelicans look to make a trade there. Um, Buffalo, how are you? I'm good. Can y'all hear me good? What's up? Yeah, we got you. Awesome. So, yeah, so I'm calling to ask about the Hornets. So, in my opinion, um, not a lot of – I mean, people have been talking about us recently because, you know, Kenny Atkinson <laughs> left us at the altar. But um, I just have a question in terms of what do you think they're going to do in terms of the draft because I just don't see them selecting with 13 and 15. Um, and I know we've been kind of linked to Miles Turner for about five decades now. <laughs> so. Maybe that might happen, or I saw. I know that you know Sacramento has kind of been uh, auctioning off that fourth pick. Is there any way that we get in on that with thirteen, fifteen, some combination of Hayward, Rozier, and PJ Washington? Or what are your thoughts on the Hornets? I think we have a lot more options than uh, people give us credit for. And thanks, y'all. Yeah. You got it, Jeremy. I haven't heard them mentioned as a trade up candidate at all. Have you? Not really. I mean, I, I think they'd probably be remiss to not think about that. Um, you know, I, I think anytime you have two picks that are reasonably valuable, you're going to explore that. Um, I just think looking at it, like how high you'd want to get using that, like 11 is probably not high enough to use those two picks. Right. Um, 
And I don't think they're going to be able to get, I mean, maybe they could get up to like seven or eight, but it seems kind of unlikely. Um, so, you know, what I've heard more of with Charlotte is that it's probably not likely that they use 13 and 15. Um, I think they're a team that definitely kind of holds the keys to the second half of the draft a little bit, uh, just because, you know, they do need a center. It's probably going to be, if they keep one of the picks at least, it's probably going to be the first place we see a center come off the board. Uh, I think it's, you know, unless Washington takes a big or the Knicks take a big, which seems kind of unlikely. Maybe maybe Jalen Duran can go at 12 uh, if, if, you know, someone trades back to 12. But, um, you know, they kind of will dictate sort of the flow of that. So, like, I know other teams have called about the 15th pick as a spot to maybe move up. Uh, I'm sure that Charlotte is probably juggling a lot of contingencies right now. So, that may not be something that we know about until, you know, the day of the draft and the real offers come and they have to kind of make a, a tough choice because, you know, any, anytime you're in a position like that and you're just always going to get a lot of calls about it inevitably, um, I think it's, you know, forces you to take a, a long look. And again, not having a coach, I, I don't think helps in terms of like clarifying what you want to do. So um, what, you know, what they do is going to be interesting because I think there will be some guys who maybe fall to 13 who aren't expected, like, you know, there are scenarios where A.J. Griffin makes it to 13. There are scenarios where uh, maybe this isn't as likely, but Johnny Davis could be at 13. I don't, I don't think Shaden Sharp will, but, you know, guys like that, I think if they fall there, will be uh, in play. Um, so Charlotte's definitely a team that's kind of – it's hard to peg just because there are so many different ways they could go. Um, but I, if I had to handicap it, I'd say at least one of those two picks gets traded. All right. George, you're on with Jeremy Wu and myself. How are you? George, do we have you? You're on mute. Oh, George is gone. All right, Don. Hey, can y'all hear me? We got you, Don. How are you? All right. Pretty good about y'all. Can't complain. I'm, I was just calling to uh, check on, you know, KJ Martin. Is there any sort of interest in him around the league? Um, do you think the Rockets may end up being able to use him with 17 and 26 to move up in any capacity? Um, thank you for the question, Don. Jeremy, I haven't heard anything with KJ Martin's name in the draft. I mean, most stuff I've just heard generally. I don't have anything specific on what Houston's trying to do because it seems like they got a lot of options on the table. Um, what's kind of your sense on Houston as a trade-up candidate from 17 and 26? Or a trade-out? Yeah. Um, no, whatever option. Well, like, as I said before, I think they value the optionality more than anything. Like, just because you never know who's going to call when you're on the clock. Um with KJ Martin specifically, like, you know, knowing that they'll probably wind up with one of those two bigs at three, uh, it wouldn't shock me to see him at least, you know, come up. I, I hadn't heard anything specific about it, so I don't want to, like, say too much on that. But, um, look, like, I think at this point, like, anything that's not one of their core pieces uh, in Houston, like, if they need to move around, you know, it's ammunition to do that. Like, I, I don't think they're tied down to, like, that much other than the obvious. Um, so... Uh, so we'll see. I, I don't have a great beat on what they're doing, um, but certainly they have, you know, two picks now and they can kind of play with those options. Um, and, you know, sort of within, I mean, it's not exactly the same part of the draft, but it's, uh, you know, two ranges where you can kind of have a sense of who'll be on the board. So. Yeah. I think the Rockets have been very prioritized also on, I mean, not prior. It seems like they've been doing a lot of work and trying to figure out who's actually going to be there at three, too. I can say that. Um, I mean, obviously, there's been kind of seems like a bit of a of a love affair between Paolo and Houston. Um, but it does seem like there's still you know a real possibility that Paolo goes two to OKC. 
Um, so that's also going to be something that's taking up a lot of oxygen, I think, in Houston's side of things until until the draft, until, until they're on the clock at three. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll add, like, you know, I think some of that is probably due diligence, too. Like, and again, kind of going back to what I said earlier, uh, you know, for those of you who weren't on here already, uh, you know, Oklahoma City does such a good job every year of not leaking anything. Uh, it's very, very hard to, you know, decipher what they're doing. And, you know, no one really knows. Uh, and so, you know, if you're sitting there at three and, Again, I, I agree with Jake. I, I do think – I don't know if it's as likely, but I do think there's a realistic chance that the Thunder could take Paolo there. Um, and you have to be prepared for that contingency, right? So I, it would just be bad practice to not, you know, have, you know, those scenarios. If he's not there, I assume they'd be comfortable with Chet. But I think that, you know, you have to do the work to be sure of what, you know, what, what is there in that situation. All right. Patrick, how you doing? How's it going? Can you hear me? We got you loud and clear. Yeah, I'm, so I'm a Suns fan, and I was just wondering what you've heard about the Suns potentially moving into the draft, as well as like the report from the mock draft today saying that Cam Johnson could be like potentially available for the right trade-in. And yeah, just what you've heard about the Suns pursuing a draft pick. You got it. Thank you, Patrick. Um, I have not been told... All right, it's not come across my radar that Phoenix has been making efforts to get into the first round here. Um, my understanding of you know the other piece of that kind of intel point is that it'd be to create salary for DeAndre Ayton. I'm I I heard from one agent yesterday that Phoenix said that they're not necessarily just going to let DeAndre walk, so. You know, this is the time of year where, I mean, like, you know, there was a report yesterday that um, that uh, Miles Bridges and, and, you know, Charlotte was feeling a bit not fully enchanted about matching, you know, a max salary on him. That's, like, completely the opposite intel of what has been around the league dating back to the end of the season, that they are going to match anything about him, that they're going to look to potentially make other trades to free up space in the in the future where LaMelo is going to be added on to another deal after that. So um, the, the DeAndre stuff could just be some type of front or smoke or, you know, whatever in – a negotiation between because I mean DeAndre's people seem to be pretty dead set on getting him at the max, not necessarily like sticking around in a good situation. Um, I'm not. I mean, I thought to say like any other situation. I don't think they have a preference on the type of situation. Like I, th- I think if they went to Detroit, um, like I think DeAndre and his people would be excited about the opportunity to build there versus like, that's a very different situation from being on the best team in the league, obviously in Phoenix. Um, Jeremy, have you gotten anything about the Phoenix in ter- or the Suns in terms of uh, draft stuff? I-, I have not heard them pop up at all as like a trade uh, candidate here. Yeah. Um, it sounds to me, I know that they are looking at possibly coming in, to the draft, but what I had heard uh, was more looking at picks in the early second round, um, maybe yeah, late first yeah, and I'm more early yeah. second. Uh, and I think they've been you know, trying to quietly bring in guys to work out in that range. Um, I don't know. Again, they have to actually get the pick and what they can use to do that. Uh, you know, I don't know. And, uh, you know, with Cam Johnson today was the first I had heard of it. 
um, it, it would make sense that he's somebody who you know is getting more expensive and you know, and he's already he's already 26, so he's a little bit older for you know player on a rookie scale deal. So it would make sense that they would you know explore that maybe another contender wants to you know have one more cost controlled year of him and then have to deal with you know paying him. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it feels more likely to me that they would do something smaller like that. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, and as far as Aiton, like I think the you know, if they actually do trade him, I think it'll be a sign and trade. Like it's not going to be for nothing. Like they're going to want something out of it. And obviously like, as you know, Jake alluded to, like if they're, they're trying to get max money, they have to find someone who's going to agree to do that before they can sign it. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about Phoenix trying to get like into the lottery. You know, if, if they, if they're a team that trades in with Miami or they get in into a, the top 40, cause the, the top, I saw someone wrote this today. I forget who, um, but, um, you know, the top of the second round, and pretty much all the second round, it sounds like it's just going to be loaded with trade activity because teams are going to want to be signing guys to two-way contracts. And, you know, a lot of guys are going to be resistant to that. A lot of guys are going to be picked, you know, maybe higher than they would have because they are amenable to a two-way. There's going to be a ton of activity. Um, there's teams like Minnesota has got three first, or three second rounders. There's going to be a lot of picks changing hands in the second. Um, Andy, how are you? Doing well, you hear me? We got you. Terrific. Uh, Nuggets fan here. Just uh, You've mentioned that uh, Brogdon and, or uh, excuse me, uh, Monte and Barton are on the market. I'm wondering if you're hearing anything about that and maybe if, if Brogdon is a, is a potential target there. Um, I have not heard the Nuggets linked to Brogdon at all. Um, I haven't really heard any teams um, linked to Monte Morris, just that he's like available. People have suggested that you know maybe there's a way to get him to washington um because you know obviously like we've talked about they're looking for a guard um but the nuggets have 21 and 30 so they can do they can do a lot they got a lot of options here i I know when we talked about it off air jeremy you thought just like i did that maybe trading for the 30th pick was to find the point guard who would replace monty morris where do you kind of stand on what you're expecting from denver right now yeah, um, I mean, I think they're in a position where they, again, it's all kind of about flexibility here. And, um, you know, I, I think, I don't know if 30 was for a specific player, but I know that, you know, they feel like there are good options in that range, um, which, you know, I do too. I think it's, again, you know, we've talked, to, I've talked about, you know, in different places, sort of the shape of this draft where, you know, for me as someone who does rankings, uh, it was very hard to do. And even then, like, you know, I published this last week and I'm still wish I could change it because I still am overthinking it. But like the whole 16 to, you know, 45 could be debated in my opinion, like so many different ways. And so naturally in a draft like this, a pick like 30 where you're sandwiched, you know, even 27, 28, 29, 30, you're sandwiched in the middle of those guys, but you are going to like someone who's there because everyone's opinion is different and you're going to get them on a cost controlled contract. Uh, you know, I think that's pretty valuable. Um, and so, you know, I would expect them to look at options. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're done uh, trying to make moves. Um, so, uh, but definitely, like, uh, you know, if you look at, you know, who they have coming back and what they need, I, I, I get the sense, like, you know, having having more size in the backcourt is going to be helpful. Um, I mean, last year you saw when Murray was out there, you know, their backcourt struggled a little bit. It wasn't the strength of the team. Um, so, you know, if they have to move someone they already have to, you know, get bigger and taller and, you know, better defensively or whatever, like I, it wouldn't shock me. Okay. Halfway through, we've been killing it with calls. We got 15 in the queue. 
Um, Monty, before you go, I do just want to check in the chat real quick. Sorry to give you a little tease there. Um, okay, we're gonna run through these. How likely are the Knicks to move up? We we don't really we don't really think uh, that's really realistic, right? Yeah, um, I, I I've been skeptical of the Knicks trade up stuff from the start just because they don't really have anything on the roster that anyone wants in that way. Um, like, I don't think they're going to trade R.J. Barrett. And even then, like, they really don't, you know, have a lot to show for the last uh, few years of roster building in that front office. I mean, uh, Julius Randle, I think you could argue, is kind of like a negative trade asset right now on with, you know, four or five years on that. I guess three years in the, the option left on that deal. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to get him out of there. So, like, and if you do, you have to attach stuff to him probably. So um, that's not going to get you up. Uh, I don't know. If they'd want to trade Obi Toppin, I don't even know how high that would get you. Um, you know, if the Knicks are going to trade up, it's got to be futures, I think. And uh, you know, it's I, I'm not I'm not gonna say they wouldn't do it, but I don't think it would be very wise, just knowing how unstable you know things tend to be there. I mean, that'd be a huge gamble. Uh, you know, that could backfire. So um, I don't see them moving up. I think it's more likely they do something different with with number eleven. But I also do think that. Uh, there's a chance somebody falls in they don't expect and then they walk away happy. Um, we'll try to run through these pretty quickly here. Jabari is a Jabari lock at one from Amari. Okay, see if Ducks it with a magic move down from one. I'm fully expecting the magic to stay there and take Jabari. I'm not saying he's a lock, but I think Lou and I both have been kind of expecting him to be the guy there since the lottery broke the way it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I personally am, you know, I, I'm a huge, huge Jabari proponent. Uh, so to me, it's not hard at all, but, uh, I think, look, even if they hypothetically did take shot, I don't think they would, I, I think those types of trades are so complicated to negotiate. I think they just take the guy they want rather than play games. Uh, I think it, that's just kind of like how I would expect it to go down. But, uh, I, I think it's right now, I would say it's probable if I had to handicap it, like I feel fairly good today about him being the number one pick. Um, again, something crazy could happen in the next two hours or sorry, next 20 four to 48 hours and we don't know because those front offices are guarded but um it would, to me it would probably be a surprise if it were not him but again we'll see i wanted to go jabari and power one and two from a uh a fun exerber of the league uh standpoint being that i'd be really curious to see what houston does at three i mean they've been people in and around houston have been saying non-stop pretty much all year that they're they're going to be happy with one of these big three guys. Um, but I'd be curious to see what they would do if, if, if that was their spot at number three with Jabari and Palo off the board. Um, a lot of comments about me having COVID. Appreciate it. We're hanging in. Um, any idea what Miami is planning? I mean, I think Jeremy and I are both under the assumption that their pick is available to be dealt or to be moved back. Um, obviously a lot of speculation around the league about what could happen with Duncan Robinson here. Um, Jeremy, do you have any clear picture on, on what to expect from Miami as uh, we get closer to Thursday night? Um, I, I don't, I think they're another team that does a pretty good job of not leaking stuff. Uh, I think I wrote this in my mock draft yesterday. I think there's like a, you know, fairly decent chance they're open to trading that pick just because, A, you know, the Heat are very good at, uh, you know, maybe the best team in the league at finding talent undrafted. Um, you know, I think you know, obviously there's value in having seconds, so maybe they could, you know, move back off that and get pick up seconds if they want instead. 
Um, but I think they'd look at that just because, you know, knowing that they're going to be, you know, a, a tax team at some point, like, a, you know, a very, it's, it's expensive roster and it's not getting cheaper and they paid Duncan and they probably wish they hadn't done that. Um, but like, you know, they, they have to kind of keep that in mind, um, you know, considering what's on the roster. So uh, I don't know what they're doing. We know that the Heat kind of have a type that they like in terms of like the, you know, tough guys who can shoot and kind of offer a little bit of versatility. Like I think that that is a mold that they love. So um, if they keep it, I'd keep an eye on players who fit like fit that type of mold. But um, if I had to guess right now, you'd think they'd probably find something to do with that pick. It seems like a good way to free up a little bit of money. Um, last comment before we get back to the calls from Raps fan. What is your draft day setup? Tech meal screens. Um, last two years, obviously due to the pandemic, um, I've been home and, uh, been on the couch with my tweet deck up and with my phone, just kind of set to the side on, on the armrest to be aware of push notifications and other things. And then, uh, I, I got the iMessage flowing, um, and fortunately on, on the new MacBooks, you can now text people from iMessage There's Android. And I got the broadcast in the background. Jeremy, what, what's kind of your deal going to be uh, Thursday night? Um, yeah, I mean, I like I said, it's nice to not be uh, at the draft because the Barclays Wi-Fi is always really spotty. It uh, is bad. It's giving me problems in the past. But I, uh, yeah, I'm just here in my apartment. I'll have the TV on and I will probably be looking at my laptop more than my TV. Um but I have not planned that far ahead yet. Okay, back to the calls. Monty, how we doing? Thank you for waiting. I appreciate it. Uh, you're a little quiet, but I hear you. <laughs> uh, thank you for the question, Monty. Um, D'Angelo, I, I, you know, I don't know if there's a wealth of interest around him. Um, when... The Wolves made the Wiggins deal. That's kind of gotten a lot of attention of late. Obviously, the Wiggins played very, very well in the finals and helped the Warriors win a title. Um, was that there really wasn't like a like a race to get him, and that him being Russell, and that the Knicks were really the only team at the time that the Wizards, excuse me, the Wolves, um, were kind of aware of could potentially slide in and trade for him if they didn't make that move with with Golden State. Um, so add in the fact that the executive who was running the Timberwolves at that time, Gerson Rosas is now a member of the Knicks front office. I think it's only natural that, uh, there be a potential landing spot for him there. Um, I, I have heard they've had conversations. I don't think they've gotten far. Um, but honestly, I think that's, I think the, the Knicks like, main goal right now is to try to trade out for Jaden Ivey and then explore what other things are there on the table at 11. Um, but the, the Wolves could be, I mean, I've seen, I mean, the fact that D'Angelo is an expiring deal, I don't think they'd want to take back like the, the long-term money that the Knicks would probably have to send out the door to meet the salary of a deal. What's kind of your understanding of, of I mean, it seems like Ivey seems to be, like we've talked about already, not really likely a candidate, but I mean, it seems like that's kind of their their north star at what try, what they're trying to do here right now. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure they'd love to do that, but like we said, I don't know how realistic it is. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess in the context of Minnesota, like uh, you know, with Russell, I mean, that, that's trading him is their pathway to getting a 
a third max player. And I say that because I think, you know, we can assume Anthony Edwards will be a max player pretty soon, you know, by the time he's on the next deal. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, but if they have a window. I'd know like there's a window here for them to be aggressive because it's the last year of his contract. Uh, you know, they have, I think they have all their futures as far as I know, if I can, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. I'd have to double check, but like, so like there's a window here for Minnesota to get good. And this is just, I, I know nothing about this. I'm just speaking, you know, looking at the situation, um, a window for them to get good before Anthony Edwards gets to his second max deal while Carl Anthony Towns is, you know, two years away from free agency, thinking about maybe what he'll do in free agency. So basically, you know, window to get good, convince Towns to stay, then Edwards becomes a max player. And right now you maybe pick up another, you know, guy who's, you know, Russell obviously is fine, but maybe someone you can upgrade from using that salary slot. So uh, I think it'd be pretty smart of them. And, you know, knowing Tim Connolly, like he's always, you know, thinking about those types of things. So, uh, I would expect them to look into, you know, what they can do with that contract to, you know, actively improve the team. Trey Young in the building. Trey, are you with us? That was a terrible joke if you didn't realize that I was talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me, though? We got you, Trey. How are you doing? Got you. Uh, I was just uh, wanting to ask if you knew anything about the Grizzlies. Are they – you know, trying to trade up for anybody or are they trying to trade anybody within the team or just what their plans are right now? Thank you, yeah, I can, I can yeah, take that to start. Um, go for it, man. Yeah, uh, I've had multiple teams tell me that the Grizzlies have, you know, are looking to you know trade up into the teams. Um, I know that they, you know, I don't know how likely it is because, you know, this is something I heard, you know, last week, so that could be old news, but um, – in, in all these negotiations, I know they've been trying to keep number 29. Uh, so I know that, you know, either they know who they want at 29 or they uh, basically have a short list of guys that they think will be there. So, like, they're keeping that to, for a reason, I think, to get a uh, basically an inexpensive addition to the roster. Um, you know, they've drafted really well in, the re- in recent years. Uh, so uh, I think that of, of in terms of moving up, so I think 22 is probably on the table and I've heard DeAnthony Melton come up as somebody who they could dangle, uh, you know, to try to get up uh, just because I think Memphis is very, very cognizant uh, of the fact that, you know, they, A, their team is really good right now, but B is going to get more extensive uh, pretty soon. Right. And this is the problem that uh, it's a good problem to have, but it's the thing that all young teams, you know, go through is you hit a certain level of success and you, know, you have Ja, who's going to be a max player. Um, and, you know, Jaron Jackson is about to hit his next, his first big contract. So, they have to think about these things. And so you can be proactive in terms of, uh, you know, using these, what you have now to, you know, keep it kind of moving forward and keeping the back half of your roster kind of cost controlled. I think it's smart. Uh, so I've heard they prefer to keep Brandon Clark. Uh, and I think Tyus Jones probably, you know, ends up being out of their price range in free agency. Uh, so I think point guard might be something they look to address, you know, through the draft if it's, uh, if it becomes a good option too. Yeah. And Memphis is definitely looking to move up, um, just like they did last year. Uh, however, I was told and have continued to be told that they don't have much cooking in that regard. Um, that could obviously change. I'm planning to check in on that again tomorrow. Um, but for now, I've definitely heard, like, sure, they've made calls. But there just isn't – there aren't a lot of teams right now, I've said this before, that really seem keen – on on moving down into um, the 
into any range, like moving down at all, if it doesn't bring them back a, a veteran player right now. That seems to be the cost across the board, whether it's like Sacramento or Portland or, you know, you go down the list, like when Charlotte talks, when it was talk about Charlotte at 15 or whatever, like I just don't see it. To, right now we're in a, in a place in the league generally where there's a lot of teams who want to win. There's a lot of teams who are up against the tax. Um, and there's a lot of teams who are trying to balance, you know, maximum salaries, like Jeremy kind of alluded to. So uh, it's just, it's going to be hard to trade up right now if you don't sacrifice a, a piece of your rotation that, that you really value, from my understanding. C, how are we doing? What's good, man? Uh, get better, get better. But anyway, um, so uh, heard about the DeJounte report today for the Hawks. So uh, what's looking more likely? Um, kind of like another signing trade for another wing player in addition to the eight and one or the trade up for Ivy was looking more likely for the Hawks. So I've been told that the Hawks definitely have had conversations with Sacramento about four. I've been told also though, that the fourth pick is not really an option in the deal for John Collins. Like it's not going to be John Collins for four. Um, so for Atlanta, the other side of that all is that, like, yeah, they've been linked to Ivy for sure. And, you know, they were in on um, CJ McCollum trade talks. And they had another – someone sent it to me earlier today, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy when I meant to write it in a story. Um, but even, like, years ago, they were in on the Drew Holiday conversations back with New Orleans before he went to Milwaukee. They, they've had an idea of pairing Trey with a more dynamic – you know, backcourt tandem teammate. Um, but they've also clearly been poking around with Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton. Someone I talked to yesterday said that Ayton might not necessarily be the preferred big man for Trey. You know, there's obviously – I mean, it's not obvious. It's been known that Trey and Clint Capella have a pretty good relationship and connection on the court as well. And it seems like Trey would prefer to play with more of a lob threat type guy than, than like a DeAndre Ayton. Um, that's kind of the breakdown on what I've got. And obviously they got the 16th pick as of now, and they have been linked to wings there. But Jeremy, I think the wings being linked to them is more about like the talent available there than necessarily like positional need or what the Hawks are looking for. Right. Uh, at 16. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel, you know, pretty secure that the Hawks won't take a big at 16. Like seems unlikely. Uh, I think it'll be a forward or a, or a wing, um, or, I mean, I guess a guard. I mean, that, that wasn't like a super, super <laughs> riveting statement I just made. But, um, you know, you hear them pop up uh, in, you know, I don't know how realistic it is they could go get, like, Gobert, but that is something people have talked about for a while. Um, so I, I, I just think Atlanta, um, it does seem like Collins will move. So, like, I think someone they could look at, like, Tari Eason in that range is, like, a natural, you know, positional replacement if they keep that pick, whatever. Um you know, I think if uh, Jalen Williams falls there, I think that's probably a pretty good fit uh, for them. Like, I think they're, you know, hoping to grab a ball handler, like you said, to kind of play off Trey Young. So I think it kind of vibes with the idea of, you know, if they trade it up to four or for Ivy or, uh, you know, they had been connected to seven at one point as well. Uh, I don't know, you know, where that stands now. Um, but definitely Atlanta is a team that kind of, now I've said this to Jake, uh, is that it's kind of, hold, I think they're kind of one of the teams holding stuff up just because in terms of like teams that are actually incentivized to trade actual things, like, you know, Collins or Herter or whoever, or the 16th pick, like, uh, those, those things, they can only go one place or two places. So 
uh, you know, I'm curious to see what they do. And it, it's always a big domino game, you know, to see. And it's either that or a go bear trade probably that's going to like set off the next array of, of moves, I think. All right, this is a warning to Jeremy, to myself, and to all the callers. We got a hard out at 5 Eastern here. Um, we got 12 calls in the queue. So we're going to try to go as quick as we can. Info dump, but also keep it moving. Rahul, what do you got? Hey, let's put Leaves on the West Coast. Have the Hornets or like Pacers or someone like, is there more info regarding them? Um, thank you, Raul. I have not heard anything significant on Russell Westbrook in a long time. I know, I think Kevin O'Connor wrote at the ringer that the interest for Charlotte is real. It, I mean, it certainly was something that they were kicking around internally. Um, but I, I don't know if it's been brought back up and I haven't heard anything specific there. Jeremy, you got anything on Russ? Uh, nothing to add, no. All right. Drew, how we doing? Hey, so there are a lot of conflicting reports about Shaden Sharp, and he's definitely the guy I'm just, from a curiosity perspective, who I'm most interested in. Like I just heard Nate Duncan today say, he's going to be number one probably on my own personal board, um, <laughs> just because of the upside. And uh, anyway, it sounds like I, I hear either he's done awful in workouts or he's done amazing. What's actually going on there, and where do you think he's going to go? Thank you, Drew. Um, you know, I've talked to coaches from the workouts from several teams, the pre-draft workouts that have all talked, same, they said the same things consistently. I don't want to say too much to, to dog and kids value, but just that, you know, not, not an exemplary performance. Um, and I believe that to be true. Um, Jeremy, what, what's kind of your take on Sharp? I mean, I, I think his range could start at seven with Portland. I think that's what you're going to say, but also I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he fell into the teams. Or or, or 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 the low the low double digits. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'd say the hard floor for him is probably New York. Like, I think they would probably take him. Frankly, um, if he got there, it would be a surprise. But uh, look, I, I mean, I think that with him, the whole thing the whole time has been it's easy to watch tape and like look at his skill set and be like, oh, that guy could be really good. Like, what we don't know is how he performs in adverse situations, how he deals with pressure, and to the credit of his camp, they've put him in. Some of the workouts he's been in have been, you know, three-on-three three rather than one-on-oh. On uh, so I think there are still concerns about the motor and the competitive aspect uh, of what he brings. Uh, but there are no questions about, like, what the upside could be. So, you know, I think his, his range is still, like, fairly stable in the lottery. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably – Portland is probably the first team that would, like – and maybe Indiana, but probably seven is where his range starts and 11 is where I'd say it ends. And to Nate Duncan's thing, I've heard a couple people say, yeah, he's got the talent where if he played at Kentucky, he might have you know, been in the number one pick conversation, but he didn't play at Kentucky, so that's what makes it so difficult. Uh, AJ, how you doing? Fantastic. I'm a Pacers fan. Just curious, obviously the Pacers have been in countless rumors at this point. Uh, is there anything solid you guys are hearing about not only Brogdon to the Wizards or Knicks, but also trying to move up to four? Um, I keep getting that Brogdon into the Knicks and Wizards as possible. I don't think the Wizards really have a ton, a ton of interest there. New York, I think, is potentially real, but it's all tied. These are all options on the table, right? Like, you know, just like how the Knicks are linked to Brunson and they're linked to Jaden Ivey and they're, you know, could be a Mike Conley team. Like, these are all different dominoes that are on the table when we just got to kind of see how they fall. Um, I, I'm fully expecting the Pacers at this point to, to stick around at six, and it seems like Matherin's might be the guy there. Jeremy, what's kind of your read? Yeah, um, I'll say I think the Brogdon contract as he approaches 30 is not a super great trade asset. So, like, the idea that they would you know, trade that and get actually upgraded is probably not necessarily 
guaranteed. Um, Turner, Miles <laughs> Turner probably has more value on the trade market. Uh, yeah, I think like, you know, I thought maybe they trade up. Like I know the Pacers love Keegan Murray. I think that's sort of known. Uh, whether they could actually get to four to do it, I think it'd be a steep price. And then also if you factor in that, you know, Sacramento and Indiana just made that last trade and the rosters haven't changed that much. So like, you know, they already kind of know who each other likes, right? So like, yeah, it seems kind of hard that they would run that back, like unless the Pacers and that decide they want to give up uh, Duarte now, which I don't think they did the first time. And I don't think they want to now, um, you know, then you're talking about future first. And I don't know if that's likely either. So uh, my guess would be no trade from six to four, but I could be proven wrong. All right, we got five minutes left. We're keeping it rapid. Josh, how are you? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Big fan of both of you. Jake, hope you feel better, man. Thank you. Thank you. What, uh, do, we, what do we got? Quick question, so, and I'll keep it brief. Uh, just wanted to see what you guys are thinking about with uh, Danny Green in the 23rd pick. Like, who are the Sixers targeting? You know, what veteran could they potentially get for that package? And then also in free agency with the mid-level. They've definitely been linked to Eric Gordon for sure, and, and they've been linked to Peter Tucker. I know I saw Brian Windhorst just put that out on ESPN, and I kind of was annoyed that I got a little beat there, but t- shout out to Brian. Um, in terms of the trade options for 23, it's been quiet. I- I've been surprised I haven't heard much more outside of Eric Gordon uh, in terms of guys that they're looking at. Um, Jeremy, do you have more than me? That would be actually helpful to know. No, I haven't heard any specific names, but I do think, like, the idea – I mean, look, if you just look at what they're, they can do right now, like the, the easiest – easiest path for Philly to actually like adding a player that can help them is attaching that pick to Danny Green, guaranteeing the salary and trading him. Right. So like, uh, I don't know exactly who they would target, but like, you know, if that can get you a first round pick and you have a, you know, a veteran that you don't need, uh, it's effectively a salary dump for, for that. Right. So, um, I think it's something that is plausible for sure. I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's probable, but knowing how Daryl works, like my guess is they'll be, you know, creative with how they use 23. I, I would guess they'd probably find something to do with it other than use it. All right. Dane with the chat. Avi, what's up? Hey, what's going on? I, uh, I had a question about Nikola Jovic. Um, I noticed in a couple mocks, Jeremy included, uh, recently he was kind of sliding. I know he kind of started in that, like, late teens range. And now all these mocks, he's kind of looking more in that, like, late 20s area. I was just seeing if that's more something that came up recently or what happened in workouts. Um, so just curious about that. And then something just to throw in at the end. Um, just curious if there's any, like, long shots you guys think might sneak in at the end of the first round there. I know it happens every year. I don't know, guys like Max Crispy, uh, Ryan Rollins, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, take that, I'll take that quick. Yeah, I think uh, – we'll try to keep this moving. But, yeah, um, I think uh, Jovic, his workouts have just been okay. I've heard, um, you know, he's not a super, super athletic guy, but he's really big and skilled, so the skill set is easy to like. Uh, I still think he'll go in the first. I just think his range, like you said, is a little bit wide. Uh, me moving him down was more like I couldn't find – or I wasn't sure where to exactly place him and find a home for him, but I would not say that that's set in stone. Like, his range is still probably, uh, yeah, 19 to 30. Um, and then as far as guys who could sneak into the first – uh, a few names I keep an eye on, like this is all fluid. Um, Christian Coloco wouldn't shock me. Andrew Nemhard could sneak into the first. Uh, Kennedy Chandler is one who's come up. Um, Caleb Houston maybe could go in the first, could go early second. Uh, Justin Lewis might sneak in there. Um, those are the names that are a little bit buzzy-ish, I guess, right now uh, that I would think. Uh, I would throw in Jake LaRavia as a buzzy late. First well, I don't think well. he's. I don't think he's sneaking in. I think he's in. Yeah. Okay. I just. Yeah. I just heard him up. I just heard his name a lot. Recently. Yes. Right. Yes. 
Trip, what's up? Trip, we got two minutes. Let's go. Oh, did we get him? No. No. All right, Trip, I got to bump you. I'm sorry. Haas. Can you hear me? Dr. Haas, hit me. Hey, listen, uh, Jeremy Grant for seven. Is that realistic? If not, what is the realistic Jeremy Grant trade? It definitely still sounds realistic. I think Detroit would, would like to have another first-round pick. Um, Jeremy, what's kind of I mean, yeah for him to get moved on drafting? What are you seeing? I mean, I think Detroit does that in a heartbeat. I think it's Portland who would want more, uh, is my guess. So I don't know if it's necessarily likely. I don't know other Jeremy Grant destinations. I mean, Atlanta has come up. Uh, if they maybe if they move John Collins, maybe you know that's what they do is like contingency. I I honestly don't know, but I do know that I, I don't think Portland would would do that just straight up. All right, last one, Adam. Hey guys. Um, question about chat. There was a report earlier this week that his team has been hesitant to give out his medicals. Does any team have his medicals? He didn't go through that heart screening and it seems like there's some steam with Paula going to the Thunder now. Just kind of some bad vibes like can't might fall at all. It seems like no one has his medicals and he has a weird body. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we only have one minute to talk about this so we can keep it super quick uh, and Jake, you can just chime in after me here but like, yeah, I think like as far as we know, because Jake and I have talked about this behind the scenes, as far as we know, I think Orlando and OKC have the medical information. Uh, that's pretty standard practice if you're a top prospect. You know, you're going limit, to limit it to who you want to take you because, or, you know, the teams that you want to go to, who's actually going to take you. So um, as far as, like, the heart screen, I actually don't know if that's true. I never confirmed what he did and did not do. So I can't speak to that specifically. But it's such a delicate issue that, like, I, you know, I have known about these things happening in the background, but I've, I've just avoided talking about it because I don't think it's – until we have facts, it's not really worth reporting, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very difficult to talk about anything medical that could really impact the player's status because uh, this is me definitely saying too much, but I will say that people are talking – people in the league are talking as much about why that rumor has been going around as much as to see if it's credible. Um I'll say that. Um, you can read between the lines. Um, but, yes, my understanding has been that Orlando and OKC have access to medical information. That's not exactly like a foreign concept. Like, go back, the first thing that comes to mind, Joel Embiid back in 2014 only gave his medical to a couple of teams. Um, you know, teams picking one, and then uh, I think Philly and the Lakers in Boston. Like, like, there was a gap at four and five with Utah and Orlando. Like, they didn't get access to his medical info because he didn't want to go there. So, uh, I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary. Um, Jeremy Wu, thank you so much, man. This was awesome. Thank you to everyone listening. We had over 400 people pretty consistently. We appreciate you. Um, we might be back before the draft. As of now, I've got a show scheduled with Seth Partner after it on Friday to kind of break it all down. Um, but we'll keep you guys tuned in. Uh, thank you as always. Take care, stay safe, and uh, talk soon. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you.